spine is died. I can't see the. Are you gonna? Okay, that's fine. Now put it onto the uh, other screen. On my on my screen, I want to see the portal. the one <laughs> you're the basic model yeah <coughs> all right we're live yeah Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Allahumma salli wa sallim wa baraka ala nabiyyana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهل اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته everybody hope everyone's good few minutes late because as Zafar said we're running a basic version today Zafar is the basic version because Shazad Salim has abandoned us he's in search of the green he's not obviously not interested in about the, the, the pound he's after the dollar so, mashallah, making money, and uh, on the speaker circuit, after dinner speaker, after dinner speaker or pre-dinner speaker, I don't know, but he's on a tour of the country doing his thing. I remember the uh, thingamajig, the aqsa sweets. So let's pass that round, and uh, I noticed that people just take like one sweet and then they uh, pass the box on, yeah, which gives a headache at the end, because then there's people fighting over the rest. So uh, take a proper amount and pass it on. Yahya, this is especially for you, Yahya, because of yani, your presence in the class today. See, this is what happens if you come to the class, fiqh class. You bore you silly, you go sleep, but you get sweet at the end. Yeah? Alright, now, Suleiman. Oh, not bad. If only Bangladesh played, does that go do be alright, isn't it? 3 uh, 0, huh? They lost all three games. Yeah? Pakistan, New Zealand final. Did you see how battered we got by New Zealand the other day? No, no, we didn't batter them in the first game. Just about won the first game. They battered us silly yesterday. I was embarrassed watching the extended highlights. Okay, JT. All right. So uh, today, uh, you know what? I'm not even actually sure where we are in terms of the, uh, what's it called? The, um, did we like finish off the whole kind of uh, uh, Salah delay whole thing? Are we done? Yeah. Are we or not? I want to say that we're at the top of page 195, but that can only be if I said, right, that's it, I'm done with um, the whole concept. I think, I think we are. I think we are. All right, good. You see, this is why if we can stay within the, the thingy, we can do this one. Okay, khalas. All right. I agree with Mesa. I, I've said what I wanted to say about uh, elongating the prayer, except I need to tell you what happened, Sheikh Walid. Uh, <laughs> You know, I want to say that these are very underrated sweets. And uh, Wazir and Imun, who are in Phoenix, right? They missed their chance to get these sweets, which are the best. And then Jodri, our guy, champion Jodri from London, he hooked them up at the airport because he's the nicest guy on the planet. The nicest guy on the planet. MashaAllah. Tabarak rahman All right. So bring it down, uh, Chief, so that I can uh, read the uh, Arabic. No, no, no. It's just up there a little bit. Up, up. 
Wa alaikum salam wa barakatuh to everybody who's online, especially Auntie Shakila. Lala, what are you doing? No, no, just go, just, 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 no, no, just go up the, the thingy to Mesa's comment. All right, so down, 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 down. All right, come across. Don't say you can't come across. You've cut off the, the thingy. Alright. Okay. So our author says Alayhi I we had that discussion yesterday that both are narrated. Uh That's what we finished last week. What what we ويستحب انتظار داخل ما لم ما لم يشق على مأموم وإذا استأذنت المرأة إلى المسجد قرها منعها وبيتها خير لها. It is a sunnah for an imam to lighten the prayer whilst keeping it complete. That's what we did last week and today, and to make the first rak'ah longer than the second. It is recommended to wait for the one joining the prayer. As long as it does not cause a problem for the followers. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I translate it like that. As, it, as long as it does not cause a problem for the followers. Technically, as long as it does not become difficult or causes difficulty or whatever. Anyway. Um, if a woman seeks permission to go to the mosque, it is reprehensible to prevent her. It is makru, disliked, to prevent her. However, her house is better for her. And that's the humbly official kind of text on the matter. We'll discuss that when we come to that as well. So, on this issue of the sunnah for the imam to lighten the prayer whilst keeping it complete. So, you know, that was what last week was about. I spoke about it. Then Sheikh Walid and, uh, added a few points. And uh, that was that. And uh, uh, what was uh, funny is that um, I was speaking to him. Uh, it was me, Bob's. Yeah, me, Bob's and Sheikh Walid, I think a couple of days ago. And he said... <laughs> and he said Chief, save that. Go back. No, no, custom too many. Listen, you fish. Honest to God, you're going to give us diabetes. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. Custom, you know what it is. Listen, girls, it's not good for you anyway. Right? <laughs> Fazana? You're right, yeah? Okay, Fazana can some. That's all right. Okay. Where's the bag on? You guys kept it, yeah? You sly packies. You know what? You lot keep that bag. That's all right. Lala, give them this lot. Give them this lot. What's this? Is this the watermelon one? Yeah, like some diesel fitness, you know that. I think we keep this one just ahead. Right. Um, so he was, Sheikh Walid was saying to us that uh, uh, he said that um, I can't, <laughs> he goes, I can't believe that last night, this happened on Thursday night. The dars was on Wednesday night, last Wednesday. He goes, I can't believe that I'm speaking about takhfif al-salah, to lighten the prayer, and yani khafif, yani, you know, Lighten the prayer. Did he give the example of the guy at the wedding? Yeah. Oh, he gave the example. Yeah, okay. So he told that kid, you know, to lighten the prayer. So wedding, chill out. So um, he was on Thursday, he was speaking at Oldham at the EIC uh, at, uh, at an event and he was late. And so he missed the Maghrib Jama'ah. Because, you know, EIC, the message at the bottom and then the, the things at the top. Yeah. So he, he goes, I missed the Jama'ah. And so it was me and... Um, Actually, this whole story is just hilarious because every part, if you know, then you know. 
So he's with Bilal, who's the Emir of Manchester for Al Maghrib. So Bilal and Sheikh Walid, they arrived late, they've missed the Maghrib Jama'ah downstairs. It's a kind of packed Bengali kind of hookup, so it's a quite a smooth, quick kind of job, you know what I mean? You'd be wanting to aim for that, to get Salah done and up, upstairs because that's where the event is. All the people are waiting and they miss the Jama'ah just as he arrives and there is a guy there that's praying by himself. Now, I think we've already discussed the issue, I think, on uh, 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 establishing the prayer after the Imam has prayed and whether that's obligatory or not. I don't Have we covered that? Maybe we haven't. Maybe we haven't actually covered it in LP. But the point is, is that obviously there's a lot of evidence that you should. If a person comes into the masjid, the Prophet ﷺ was there with someone and he asked the people, he goes, who's going to give their brother some sadaqah? Meaning, get up and pray again. Let him get 27 times reward of the congregation as opposed to just praying by himself. And so some scholars said that, you know, uh, uh, this is a sunnah to do that. Yani that when a person comes, he should try to find a second jama'ah. None I know of said that, that I can remember anyway, said it's obligatory. But they said it's good because obviously he increased the reward. And uh, otherwise a person prays by themselves. My personal opinion is definitely a person prays by themselves. But that's based upon context and especially if it's a normal masjid. In a normal masjid, that's a, a level of disrespect and you're undermining the authority of the imam. People keep coming late. And if they keep knowing that there's always going to be someone that's going to be there and we can pray, then it doesn't make them come any earlier. They're always safe in that. Whereas if you know this is that one jama'ah, one opportunity, if I miss it, I've had it, they come earlier, they make more effort. It's a natural human behavior thing, right? Um, also, there are other points. Yeah, and you know, a lot of time the people, they can make a little bit of a scene and the structure of the masjid and it's a challenge on authority, etc. And every masjid, by the way, has, uh, has this challenge. And don't think that it's a particular type. Because I used to think that... Um, uh, uh, I used to think that the idea of um, that uh, a second jama'ah is not welcomed was a pack thing or a Hanafi thing, right? But it's not, actually. It's, again, a human thing. And it's an authority thing. And neither the, the regulars of the masjid like it. The imam doesn't like it. It is a challenge of authority. It is a disrespect to the masjid as well. And a person could turn around and say, that's not, that's not possible because if it was, then the Prophet ﷺ would not have said, go and then do the sadaqah. But I, uh, it could be argued that, well, that's not a breath. It's not a common thing. And it's very clear. Nobody's trying to challenge the Prophet ﷺ. And, and, but anyway, it's a matter of difference of opinion. Uh, this opinion that you should pray by yourself is the opinion of Jabir, opinion that I like a lot. All right? Unless, and the exception, is if the place is a place of uh, the road mosque that we spoke about, yeah, last week. And if it's a road mosque, airport mosque, musalla, it's not a mosque, then it's like a musalla. Most of these places don't have a fajr prayer, and it's just on the road in the Muslim countries or in the mosque. Then there's congregations going, university mosque, hospital mosque, yeah. These are places that have congregations going all the time. Nobody cares for it, and it doesn't have a regular imam. Everybody wants to just join and whatever. Okay, so uh, 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 the point is, is that if you follow that opinion of going into masjid and praying by yourself anyway, because you don't want to cause a ruckus, then that's a result. You're in control of how long you're going to pray and whatever. Sheikh Walid walks into the masjid and he's upon the same position that I am. I'm going to pray by myself, nice and quick, and go upstairs. He goes, that, what happened though is I was just getting my shoes off when I saw Bilal, the Amir, 
who went straight and made a beeline for the guy who was standing by himself, reciting very slightly loudly to indicate that he was praying by himself. Sheikh Walid goes, so I said to myself, man, he's now going to done it, right? I was just going to go and pray by myself. Now if I pray by myself, then Bilal will get then you know confused and he'll think I, I did something wrong against the Sheikh. And that's what you've always got to think about, what, how you're perceived as, right? So Sheikh Walid goes, I didn't want to, but I thought, oh, I've got to join now as well. So he goes over and he pulls you know, Bilal back and they join as a three now. And Sheikh Walid, <laughs> Sheikh Walid goes, Wallahi, he goes. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. This is exactly how he was. <laughs> he goes, I, I couldn't believe. He goes, <laughs> he goes, I had recited. He follows the opinion that you have to recite Fatiha. You know, that whole argument, yeah? The follower and, and uh, the imam. He goes, I finished my Fatiha when he was saying Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. <laughs> he goes, Wallah. He goes, do you know what he recited? Do you know what he recited? Al-Fajr. Al-Fajr. Fajr is a page. Less than a page. Page. And, you know, that's a lot for a Maghrib. You know what I'm saying? Maghrib's like, Inna Atayana Kalkawthar territory. You know what I mean? Qulullah territory. Guy, and he knocked out. Yani Fajr. He goes, the guy, t- <laughs> 16 minutes he spent on Salatul Maghrib. 16 minutes. You know, already they lay all the people upstairs. That would have been done in two, three minutes by himself. 16 minutes. And he said, all the way, he goes, this is my punishment for telling the people last night. <laughs> this is exactly So anyway, he told me this last night, uh, a couple of nights ago. By the way, he's, uh, mashallah, made it to the States, alhamdulillah, today. And uh, Sheikh Walid, you know, is very uh, uh, special to us, mashallah. All right, so today we're covering the issue of وَتَطْوِيلُ الرَّكَعَةِ الْأُولَى أَكْثَرَ مِنَ الثَّانِيَةِ That it is a sunnah to extend the first raka'ah longer than the second. All right, to make it يعني, going a little bit longer. By the way, just bring it down. Fizz is asking about the uh, thingy. About a uh, um, uh, no no up up other way other way. So when you're arriving late and trying to combine, uh, the guards are saying don't do it in Jama'ah, but you still do it. So that's okay. So th- this is an important question actually, right? What Fizz is asking about the uh, Haramain, um, because you know we, what we've got to be careful about is to not give al Masjid al Haram both of them, especially Masjid al Haram in Mecca. Any uniqueness when it comes to prayer standards. This is a slippery slope. Okay? So even though I'm about to make an exception, I don't want that to be seen as an exception. Right? So in the haram, you, you know, you've got a few little things going on. First of all, you shouldn't be trying to ignore uh, uh, the, the imam. Right? Uh, or take it easy knowing that 100% there will be 100 jamaats that you can take advantage of when it comes to coming late. There will be absolutely loads. And as I said, that puts a, a sense of laziness into the hearts. And you've got to be careful uh, from that. But at the same time, also, um, I honestly think that Mashal Haram is not like a normal mosque. And I don't, li- and you've got to say, well, you know, uh, it's not exactly rocket science to say that. Obviously, it's not like a normal mosque. But what I mean is that other than the 100,000 reward, 
kind of difference, right? And it being the best place on the planet, whatever. I do think that people need to start looking at it as a normal mosque. When you don't, you cause some problems. And I'll give the example of the problem in a second. But it's but at the same time, it can't be seen as a normal mosque because there are people coming to it all the time. So actually, we should consider it, in my opinion, Allahu A'lam, like one of those road mosques, right? Where actually uh, pilgrims coming from all corners, all flights, all trains, all times, and uh, uh, the fact that it's open 24 hours, by its nature is accepting that there are multiple things going on and there will be journeys happening and, tra and everyone who's coming to it, the majority, 99% of the people who come to it are travelers. So a lot of them will be combining. And so it's not right to call it a normal mosque. And so therefore, I don't think it's a problem that people are establishing a, a, a separate jama'at as long as you're not trying to challenge authority. And I don't have a problem that people are combining and so on and so forth. So I do agree that we, we need to not put that masjid in the same category as a normal masjid. At the same time, what's the danger? The danger is people then coming up with fatwas about crossing. You know, when you cut across a person who's praying. And this idea that, oh, this fatwa is not yani, applicable in the haram. Or this position is not applicable. In a normal mosque, you've got to stop the person cutting you. But in the haram, it's allowed. Haram is allowed because there's a need. And I hate this opinion. I hate the argument. I hate the rationale. And I like everything about it. I hate, right? These rules came down in uh, the haramain. They were revealed not in Aqsa or any other journey, but the ruling of the Prophet Sallallahu prevent, preventing the people cutting the prayer is applicable in the two busy mosques. The Prophet Sallallahu extended the Masjid al-Nabawi because it was too small, therefore crowded. Masjid al-Haram was super crowded in his lifetime. He established the rule, never made an exception for Masjid for al-Haram. How do we know it was super crowded? Don't look at the size. Size was tiny compared to what it is today. But it was absolutely overrun. In fact, I put to you, it was busier in the haram then than it is now. Imagine that. Imagine making tawaf. Remember, for those that obviously were with us a little while ago and that are coming with us next week, when you see the Maqam Ibrahim, the Maqam Ibrahim was moved back and forth by Umar and the Prophet from its current position. And the reason that it was moved back and forth is because it was getting in the way of the people and it was actually causing a, a jam, traffic jam, right? A bottleneck. And it was so full and so busy that the, the senior companions would not touch the black stone. You know, when I tell people, and I do tell people, especially that have come with me, that I don't want you to be going for the black stone because I don't think it's the sunnah to do that because it can't be done except that the woman will lose her aura, her dignity, touched, X, Y, Z, and the man will maybe be able to protect all of those but will hurt other people. And that if you look at the Prophet's attitude, attitude with the senior companions, that's all you see. He, he warns Umar and he says to him, You're a strong man, be careful. Abdurrahman bin Auf, when he went in and he saw him go in and didn't see wh whether he went to touch the black stone or not, when he came back out, he said to him, Did you go for the black stone? And he said, No, Ya Rasulullah, I was too, too thinking. He goes, Well done, you got it spot on. Because you're not meant to. And Aisha radiallahu anha, when he, she saw one of the female companions, trying to go for the black stone, she said, that's not what we do. That's not what we do. Hadith Sahih. So despite its excellence and despite its, you know, its uh, intercession for the people who touch it, kiss it, make sajda, indicate towards it. And of course, the indication is the replacement, by the way, right? For not being able to touch it, kiss it, sajda upon it. 
the indication with the right hand is that yani, powerful move, right? To do that. But even though that's so powerful, the person who leaves it for the sake of following the sunnah, not hurting people and maintaining one's Islam and dignity, they'll get more reward than trying to touch it. No doubt about that. Absolutely no doubt about that. Right? And they should have that intention and indicate to it from afar. So it was very busy back then. And yet the Prophet ﷺ established the rule of holding people back. Now the, the Saudi scholars have made that fatwa generally that it, you know, uh, supposedly they don't speak much about it. I can see that there's politics going on. But they kind of say it's okay to, to let a person cut through and don't try to stop them. Whereas for me, absolutely you have to stop them and absolutely you have to make sure you don't pray in silly areas. You shouldn't be praying on Mata, for example, ever. Right? A lot of uh, uh, women right now, because at the moment, uh, men obviously can't pray there, but women are. They're, they're making it their natural kind of daily prayer place, right? Because at the moment, they, you know, nobody can check whether they're in ihram or not. And so therefore, they just all jump onto their mataf, pretending they're doing umrah. Yeah? Blaggers, basically. Illegal, obviously, all completely rejected for them, all of them. Yeah? So they're going on to the mataf and they're praying their normal prayers there. And that shouldn't be the case. Going on to the mataf to do the tawaf there, okay, but you shouldn't be praying there. And if you, unless of course you stop well before the iqama, well before the adhan, and retreat to the pens which are, you know, on the corners and the sides, that's okay. But nobody should ever be praying on the mataf, ever, ever, at any stage. Right, having said that, um, I have no idea why we're speaking about that. Okay, anyway. Um, so, Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Uthameen alayhi rahmatullah, at the top of page 195, what does he say? He goes, it's also sunnah then to elongate or extend the length of the first raka'ah more than the second one. This is the sunnah because of the hadith of Abu Qatada radiallahu anhu that he said that the Prophet said that he would elongate the first raka'ah more than the second one. This hadith is narrated in the Sahih in Bukhari and Muslim. Okay, this hadith is interesting. I think I mentioned it last week, right? I think. Did I say about that the person would go to Baqiya and go and deal with his stuff? Yeah, okay. So he would go and deal with his stuff, do what he needed to do, make wudu and come back and the Prophet ﷺ would still be on the, on the first raka'ah and the second one would be shorter than that. So we know that that is uh, 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 narrated. Sheikh Uthameen says <coughs> that this is not just narrated but it's also natural. It's also human nature as well because when a person starts off in prayer full of energy, full of good plans, hopes, whatever, whatnot, then mans get tired after a while. They had the intention to recite X and Y in the first and second. After, you know, reciting first, they might change the second raka'ah surah to a shorter one. That's human nature, the way that people uh, uh, tail off, all right? Um, so, and also, also he goes, this is also good to look after the condition of the people who are in the prayer. It's not just you, maybe you might be, uh, and that's a really important thing, Right? I'm not a big fan of being the imam. It's a position of stress and, and, and uh, it's a position of stress and it's a lot of responsibility. It's a very respected position and, you know, you really need to know your stuff, right? And you need to be a proper, you know, like I said, it has its own set of challenges. One of these challenges that people don't uh, highlight enough or maybe I sh don't highlight enough because I normally speak about the pressure and the stress and the whatever is that you can get carried away very easily. And instead of getting the blessing of leading the people, you get the curses of the people. And it's true. Once you start leading the prayer and you recite, the one thing that happens is that, it, it, actually just like speaking, like right now, 
I, I'm really tired. I need to go to sleep. I know that. But I don't feel sleep at all. Because I'm teaching, I'm speaking, adrenaline's all through, whatever, whatnot. Abu Dhar is completely asleep. Okay? He's like gone dead. Like he's like woken up and sleep like I don't know how many times for a few other people. Usama, mashallah, first time for him. And he's fallen asleep and woken up again a couple of times. He's trying to keep it together for his son, Yahya. But yani, I just say, just tell the boy, listen, I need to go get sleep and just close your eyes. So the, uh, uh, it's just human nature, you see. If you are not recognizing how difficult it is, and I know because I've sat in circles, classes, whatever, Al-Maghrib classes, for example, I, uh, uh, sitting with even those that I really benefit from. Some I might not because they're younger, they don't have as much knowledge maybe. But for example, Sheikh Walid class, I enjoy it immensely. I like his style, I like anywhere he's going, whatever, whatnot. Even through that, I'll be sitting there, I'll start feeling really sleepy, right? It's a different reality, being the leader and being the one who's listening. It's a real skill to be absolutely locked in. Now, if I'm just ignoring that and saying, you know, I'm feeling great, I'm enjoying what I'm saying, I've got to, I mean, that's just irresponsible. In Salah, it's sinful. And in Salah, it's the same thing. If you're leading the prayer, you're just, you know, you're off. That's it. You're enjoying and you don't feel and, you know, you've got rhythm and you've got a plan and you're following up, you know, and you feel that it's great. And there might be like a few people that are really into it. And they might even come to you and say to you, listen, can you recite a bit longer? Can you recite this, that, whatever? Then you get a bit gassed. Yeah. And then you, you know, you're away and you're not really picking up on that kind of thing. So, um, it is from the fiqh of a person that they are aware of the people behind them and not just in normative sense. So actually what the sheikh is saying is that uh, uh, once, uh, just like normal people, just like you feel more energy in the first and then less in the second, the people behind also felt more energized in the first than the second. So it should be good. Anyway, sheikh says that, but there are two exceptions to this, to the idea of the first raka'ah being longer. There are some exceptions to this. Keep this at the top so I can see if there's any questions from the folks online. They're so upset that everybody ignores them. And this is, I just want to say that this is purely uh, uh, thingy. Lutz, you know why it's uh, uh, comedy? is because honestly, him and the stories about kids and his opinions on kids are absolutely amazing. That's why. Um, so the, 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 the first um, uh, exception that the scholars mentioned on the longer, uh, shorter thing, first, second, is if there's very little difference, if it's a minor difference. So for example, and is a common combination for prayer, especially in the Jum'ah prayer. And actually, Ghashia uh, is a little bit longer than Al-A'la. Uh, it's a, it's a, a little bit, يعني, but it's minor. It's, يعني, يسير. it's a minor thing. So the scholars kind of... Uh, uh, like in a tool yasir, it's basic, right? It's not, uh, it's, not so, it's not so significant. But the second one is significant. Anybody want to have a guess without cheating? If you've got the notes, then obviously you'll know. Anyone have a guess? A second exception to when the uh, uh, first raka'ah is not uh, longer, but the second one is. Okay, but that, so what Juwairiya basically said is that um, if you're doing, if you're following an order of the Qur'an 
And for example, you recited uh, Surah Iqra Bismi Rabbika Lidi Khalaq and then you got a bayyina after it, for example, right? Or you're maintaining some kind of order, then that, that's one. But that's not a, that, that's, uh, what's the word? Um, that just happened. What's the word for that? That's a Janik situation. Huh? Yeah, that's coincidental or whatever. That's not set up from the beginning to, to, to think. That's right. Uh, Ilyas Yani got it right, which is that it is Salatul Khawf. Now, Salatul Khawf, the prayer that you pray during war, wartime, or whilst you're, at fight, whilst you're fighting or, at, uh, uh, or during a battle, has a number of authentic ways that it's prayed. All right? A number of ways that it's prayed. Um, one of the most authentic and popular ways is when we uh, are when the enemy is around and we cannot risk um, being all caught at the same time in one direction and we need people to watch our backs. That's how normally the books of fiqh uh, do it. Obviously, today we've got to be more dynamic because it's not so simple as the enemy right there in front of you. But back in the day, that's what it was. The enemy is right there in front of you. So actually, both the whole jama'ah can join behind the imam. Obviously, we'll cover this in its right time, but I want you to imagine that if the enemy is only in front of you and can't be the side or can't be behind, then there's no reason then to not have everybody pray together. What happens? Imam prays, all the people pray, but only the front row goes into ruku'ah and the, so not looking in front of them, leaving the back row to be able to see everything whilst within the same prayer. So they like carry on and the second row have got their weapons and they are watching and whatever and then... And so they go in turns, but they're within the same unit of prayer. But the, and again, the books of fiqh divide it as enemy in front, enemy not in front. In the second one, enemy not in front, meaning anywhere, any enemy could be anywhere, right? Then we can't have that second group with us. They need to be like on guard, like random places, right out of the way. So in that situation, the idea is that the imam goes puts it two halves you guys go on guard you guys come pray with me uh, 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 the khawf prayer is two units it's cut in half two units okay every prayer and there's a discussion about maghrib even they said maghrib becomes two but yeah the majority are upon three but every other prayer becomes two units and so in a two unit prayer the imam allahu akbar people behind him praying and this is a normal proper prayer and they pray the first raka'ah and then the imam stands for the second one and then he remains standing and he waits. And while he stops and waits, the people behind finish the prayer off themselves. So they pray the second raka'ah by themselves. They give salams. They get off. Imam is still standing, waiting. Second group now come. First group now go on guard duty. Second group now come. Join the prayer. Allahu Akbar. When the imam hears them say Allahu Akbar, meaning they've joined the prayer, he now starts reciting Fatiha now. So the second group, what happens with those guys is that they basically catch that entire second raka'ah. But then what happens is that when the Imam goes Allahu Akbar from the sajda and sits for tashahud, these guys get up. And they get up and they pray their second raka'ah and then they then marry with the Imam giving salams. So the first group starts with the Imam and the second group ends with the Imam. Both of the teams prayed two units, Imam prayed two units as well. Make sense? Now obviously in this one, the second unit is longer than the first one. Yeah, because of the extended standing waiting period. So this is like, uh, 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 this is an example. It is possible, Nada, yeah, to pray two groups separately. It's also permissible to pray uh, uh, singularly as well. 
But this just goes to show that our chosen class position, that it is obligatory to pray the congregational prayers in masjid, is no joke. It's not some kind of you know, fantasy opinion. It is absolutely obligatory for a male, without a doubt. And some even said that recommended for the woman, what would come to that next week? That a man must pray the salah in the masjid. Otherwise, he's sinful. Must, right? And if you didn't think that that was a real thing, these are the supplementary kind of incidents that make it uh, shown to you. Why wouldn't you pray alone? Why wouldn't you just pray two separate groups and get it over and done with? Rather, what you're seeing is that the Prophet ﷺ does not waste an opportunity for the jama'ah to be established. The companions are very, very keen to stick to that jama'ah. Again, the idea of multiple congregations is not a normal thing. We like getting things done in one go. Even the janazah. Even the janaz, if you think about it, right? Instead of praying over individual people, even though that's permissible, Prophet ﷺ gets a whole load of the deceased in front. So, so this idea, I want you to know that Islam is very much about uh, structure, authority, minimize, minimizing yeah, any, uh, repetition. You know, if we can get like the... That's why in the books of fiqh, there is no Jum'ah except in one masjid, right? Uh, if you've ever been to a Muslim country, all the mosques close. And only the big one remains open. And even if the mosques are open, nobody goes to them, except yani, for maybe some people that are working or something like that. But you go to the main one. Authority and, 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 and bringing folks into key places at one time in large numbers is a very important aspect of Islam. Which is why every attempt that we try to do that in the West is a good attempt. Meaning that we should speak to other people of cultures and different kind of, you know, persuasions and try to minimize numerous masajid right in principle in principle right especially in a locality now a person could argue and say no there's political uh, capital to be made and gained in having more mosques right and that's true but in the same road yeah any in the same area like alongside kind of mission or blackburn or whatever whatnot where everyone's just having a mosque or Oldham or X or Bradford, where you got literally mosque, you know, few meters in, in uh, you know, so that's not good. That's not good. So that's a, like, like for example, the efforts of you know uh, doing the Eid uh, uh, as a singular place. Now that should be a no-brainer. In fact, even those that don't like that idea and don't like the other people, even they agree on that. They see the sense behind you know unity and showing the young folks, especially the power of the Muslims. It's a very external visual thing, right? And I want you to know that the Salah is like that. All of Islam's rituals are like that. That's why Hajj only occurs once a year. That's why any the acts of major kind of significance are happening one uh, uh, key moments. The Sunnah of the Prophet is to pray Janazah outside, for example. So that more people can fit. Masjid is reducing the people. Outside, in front of all the folks, one single prayer. Lines are not important in terms of gap, no sajda. So people are all coming nice and close, big gatherings. So I want, this, I want you to know that every attempt to, to unify the Muslims to a single thing is always going to be blessed. And if you look at the Eid one, people feel that and they try it. And yet at the same time, they let themselves down with the dunyai kind of considerations and so you see that masajid they don't join in the effort because they want the collection because the Eid collection is a significant one it's when the people who don't come to 
you know, the masjid, they don't do Jum'ah, they don't do the prayers, they, everyone comes to the Eid prayer, and they give significant money, guilt money, call it papal money, whatever, they're trying to pay themselves off, yeah, and you make them feel better, just at least the Eid is accepted and we'll take it. If you want 30 quid, we'll give you 30 quid, right? So there's an idea. There's, this is horrible side, you need to know. And now it's got even worse. I, I, now it's got even worse. Now Masajid, okay, they make deals with charities, right? Financial deals. I hate this. I hate this. Okay? I really, really dislike it. And I'm not saying that any masjid is free of it, even this one here. Financial deals with charities in order to be given the first uh, throw at something. Or the first advantage. Or set number of things. And the aql behind it is of course sound. And the finances behind it is sound as well. But it's a really horrible slippery slope. Especially if it stops people doing what I just said. Even if, it, if, even if the thought comes into the mind. For example, how can we do a combined event with XYZ other mosque when we've got a contract with the charity that is expecting them to come here in this location and be given exclusive rights to the collection? Because they won't get that if they do the uh, event. They'd have to share it out between whatever. Which is now why the charity events themselves are setting up the single unit prayer, single you know prayer thingy. So this is what happens when the situation starts to get, you know, when money gets involved and politics get involved. It's, it's, it's horrible. And listen, I'm not an idiot. I've been involved in mosques all my life and I know that it's a tough one. I know that it's difficult. I know that the challenges are difficult. And we've spoken a lot about this in the uh, uh, zakat uh, uh, discussions previously, right? That what, what one of the problems that we have with the Muslim community and the charities themselves is that they just basically, you know, they couldn't care less for uh, zakat being spent in the right way they have very few scholars involved and even now still there's a, a big problem with the big charities um, um, uh, and we can criticize them until the cows come home and we have the truth is is that the people themselves are not giving money throughout the rest of the year they're not giving sadaqa like they should they're not supporting the mosques like they should they're not supporting the normal projects they want their zakat money to cover absolutely everything to cover all of their kind of guilt against every kind of thing possible and that's just not what zakat is there for and so we have to pay, you know. We have to accept that we play a key uh, role in this. It's not just the masajid's fault. We've forced the charities to turn to these things. Like, how many times have we been thinking about, you know, charities and them doing concerts, for example? And you know what happens at these concerts, even though it's an nasheed concert, whatever your opinion on nasheeds are, but the 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 environment that is there, it's just like a normal concert. Muslim, yani young kids, whatever, they couldn't care less for them. It's just an opportunity to get out. And, you know, they're doing all that kind of whatever bakwasa is that's there. Now it's comedy uh, things and entertainment. And the people that they're bringing in are people that are uh, fahash, yani, they're disgusting. In, in that they're actors and that they're comedians that are in the, in the public uh, eye, meaning that they're famous. That's the reason you come. And they are, they've sold out. They've gone and they've, the fame got to them. They've got contracts with BBC Sky, XYZ. They swear openly. They do haram things, whatever, whatnot. And we put them forward to the Muslim community that made them in the first place, right? And put that as, the, what, else, uh, what are the charities else are, are they going to do? Nobody comes now. Back in, they used to be uh, scholars, celebrity speakers, right? And come and see your favorite, you know, American, blah, blah, and, you know, and, and raise the money. The truth is, they only do it because it works. Because people are not supporting the floods, and they're not supporting Gaza, and they're not, 
you know, it's not enough for them to know the imperative to support that, that event. It's not enough for them to see the figures and the, the deaths and the, the emotional realities on the TV news, whatever. They need something else for their buck. They need a dinner included. They need a social event included. They need that big name speaker to come. SubhanAllah, we used to hate that and warn against it and, you know, cuss the people that used to take that. And now they're the heroes now. Because look where it's gone. It's a big problem, right? And, you know, you know, we've been cussing the masajid and the charities long enough about it. It's time that we get cussed over it. What are they meant to do? What are the mosques meant to do when they need to raise the funds? And nobody will give it. And you've got to do that, that, that event. So it's a, it's a problem. Anyway, so uh, now the next part is, That it is recommended or it is liked or whatever. Um... <coughs> to wait for the latecomer as long as it doesn't cause any problems for the uh, uh, thing. What did it say? It is recommended to wait for the one joining the prayer. So that's the guy who's late, all right? As long as it does not cause a problem for the uh, uh, my days. You're my witness, okay? This thing was recording, all right? Shazad Slim is going to lose his absolute flipping, his wig's going to fall off. You know that, yeah? All right? It started. Look, it stopped. Yeah, yeah, no, it was recording. And now it's blue. And there's not a single reason for it in the world. Shazad Salim, I didn't do anything. Right, yeah, you know, I didn't do anything. It is not recording. I have no idea. It was fully recording. In fact, it says track two, means track one is there. I've got no idea. All right. Sorry, podcast people. This is where this is the quality now goes down. Um, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, recommend to wait for the one joining the prayer as long as it does not cause a problem for the followers. Let's speak about that. So, um, so as long as it does not cause a problem for the followers. Now, when you think about this, yeah, um, I think we all know it. We all kind of uh, maybe understand it, right? Let's have just do a quick snap poll. So you know what I'm talking about, obviously, yeah. The person who's uh, the imam waits in the ruku'ah. Yani because people are still coming in. Put your hands up if you like that idea of the Imam doing it. You gotta vote either way, okay? It's either all right, put your hand up if you don't like that idea. Alright, so the, the the more were for the but not much. It's probably like a sixty forty that was, okay? Sixty liked it and forty didn't like it. Right? Huh? That's surprising. It, it, you think more would not like it? More would like it. All right, those people who, who didn't like it, reasons? I, I mean, I can, as an imam, I can tell you straight off, is that it's just difficult to cut off the... Uh, at what point do you cut off? Like, when? Right? Like, uh, uh, was it three nights ago? Or a couple of nights ago here? It happened, yeah, only one of the longest I've seen. Now, Abdul Ghaffar famously is not a guy who's interested in this kind of stuff. Yeah? But I think it was either Monday night or... Was it Monday night? And it was the guys at the front, yeah? Some kind of meeting or some kind of bakwasa and what was going on, yeah? But these guys were obviously living in a dream world. They were like five minutes after the salah, yeah, anything, they'd start coming out, right? Which is beyond irritating. I think that the five million pounds on new masjid, just for that reason itself, is enough. Because we're not getting anything else out of the five million pounds. <laughs> we're not 
gave me asked the best she's only smaller than this one. We we're gonna go in there thinking what the fish to be thrown family and credit. I will stand up and say, just so that we do not have to have them dump pack is coming out five minutes after everyone started the salah. Anyway, so they were coming out. So they start, the pro- the procession starts. We're in Rukua. And you can hear the, the sound of the door opening. I was like in second, third, whatever uh, line. And it's clear that five tasbihat have gone, seven tasbihat have gone, and this door keeps opening. And you can see just the steady line of people going. So Abdul Ghafar, he waits for the first guy, then the second guy. We got to about 10, 11, 13, 15. I mean, tasbihat, subhanahu rabbil azim, subhanahu rabbil azim. And then the third guy, the fifth guy. Bro, it was a continuous. I don't know how many people were having a party in there, bro. But they were completely oblivious that we are praying Salatul Isha. And it's like six, seven minutes in. I'm no exaggeration. At least 30, 40 people must have walked out. I don't know what they were doing. Was it Monday night? No, no, they weren't kids, bro. No, 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 not Maghrib. No, 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 no. That was the car park problem. No, forget that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it, uh, yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't the Wednesday problem. That's its own problem. Don't get me started on that problem, okay? No, no, it was like Monday or Sunday or whatever. But my point is, is that it got silly. It really did. And then he goes, Samiyallahu al-Muhammadah, and people were still coming out. Now, when you're an imam, you're always wanting to help people. You always want it, because it doesn't look nice either. It doesn't look nice. Yani, when you're an imam, you want a neat show. You know, you got a gig, you want to run it, Make it look good. When you turn around, everyone nice sitting. Doesn't look nice when half the masjid stands up. You know what I'm saying? It looks ugly. And it's all happening, all going off, and people coming in, you know, whatever, whatnot, and touching, you know, yeah, you come and uh, lead the prayer, whatever. By the way, our masjid is quite under control because not many people, if any, follow or even know of the opinion that you can complete your prayer behind someone who's completing their prayer. We spoke about that, I think, a couple of weeks back, right? The Shafi'i position, the Egyptians and the Malaysians, they're down for that behavior. They love that behavior. They'll come to the masjid late, and they'll see one of these guys yani, who's you know, in a line uh, late from that, that lot, and just pick a random one that they think will actually yani, comply, tap him on the shoulder, and the follower becomes the imam. That's a lot of garbar, yani, a lot of bakwas going on. You know what I'm saying? When you're an imam, you want to turn around, you want to see everyone sitting down, nice and sweet. Want to give my little reminder quickly again. Now, I now I've got people standing. I can't give my reminder. The whole situation looks a mess. People coming in first time in mosque, thinking, "What kind of yani show is this guy running?" Yeah, you know what I mean. So, from an imam position, I can tell you this is not good. I don't like the elongating. I don't like the what the 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 uh, culture that it creates, if you like. And what else I do not like about it. Um, I would argue, even though Sheikh Uthami is going to put some evidence forward, that there's no clear evidence for the permissibility of this action either. In fact, I will argue and say that when you shorten and elongate the prayer, this is an act of worship. And it requires a nas. And to do that, therefore, if you don't have the evidence, then it's either bid'ah or something which is not allowed. And there are a significant minority of scholars that do consider it impermissible to elongate the first rakah. And... When I say elongate the first raka'ah, there are types of elongation which we're going to speak about in a second. All right? But we'll come to that. Right, who else? Yeah. Sick. I love that behavior. You know what? I, I, you know, 
I absolutely love people speaking to others in the prayer. That's the big difference between packs and everybody else. Because if you're a packer, yeah, you would rather die and get yourself stabbed in the eye than to speak to someone who's in the prayer. But it seems like the other cultures, they're like all right with it. Like, you know what I mean? It's like chill. Like I know Arabs, they will, they will, they will say, listen, bro, relax or wait or... I know Sheikh Walid is like khafif, khafif, yani, you know what I mean? He probably be telling him to lighten it, to chill, slow down, whatever. And um, uh, but so absolutely, if I'm not gonna lie, I would do exactly what you just said. If I not just at home, if I come to a masjid where you know I know the game or whatever, whatnot, I'm like, listen, I'm coming. Just wait one second. I'm allowed to say that. He's allowed to completely ignore me. He doesn't have to, Yanni, bring me in. He doesn't have to, right? But, you know, if he knows, then, then... And this is what I said. When you're an imam, one reason I don't like this is that you're always under pressure to... to, to you know what I mean? And you know that afterwards, a guy's going to come to you and say to you, you heard me open the door, and I did. And you went up right at that moment when you knew that I was right there. And he's right. When you're an imam, you know the exact amount of seconds it takes for a person to open the door and to get to the line and to enter. You do. It's just one of the things you know. And you know that you're letting some in, but then you hear the door open again, then you hear the door open again, and you say, I'm, I'm putting my hands up. Not you, bro. And you go, Samiyallah and Muhammad, I do, it, I do it all the time. You make a conscious thingy, you hear the door open. No, mate, not you. And you go that. So it's horrible. Any other reasons, though, that, that it shouldn't be done? I gave the Imam position. Yeah. On whose side? From what? From which angle? From the guy who's running, or from the Imam? Oh no, no, they shouldn't be rushing. They shouldn't be rushing because this is the problem, right? The problem is, is that people don't have either knowledge of hadith like that. Or the bigger, more realistic problem is they don't have enough certainty in the hadith. Because if you did, and you're late, own it. That's it. Own it. Have honor. If you're late, have honor. You don't deserve... Listen. You know the Prophet ﷺ said about the Jum'ah prayer. He criticized the folks who did what? What's the hadith about the ones who come late to the Jum'ah prayer? They climb over the people's shoulders, right? They climb over. The Prophet ﷺ is criticizing that. Now, you know why? You don't deserve to be at the front. Sit at the back. Sit outside. You came late. Own it. You get what I'm trying to say? Likewise, when the Prophet ﷺ said, come to the prayer with, with, with wal waqar, come with tranquility and cool and calm. Yeah? Own it. Have self-respect. No man runs to the prayer. You are disrespecting the prayer. You're disrespecting yourself. And it doesn't... Now, that's our position. Now, that, that doesn't answer the, the, the responsibility of the imam. The imam's got to care for everybody. But if you are the one who's coming late, okay? If I am that one who's coming late, you know what I do? I slow down. I actually slow down. Or actually, what I actually do is I go proper, quiet, stealth mode. That's what I mean by slow down. So if I am late and I see the door, I know this door. That hinge makes that sound. Yeah, that when it opens, 
I open it very, very slowly so it doesn't make the sound so that the Imam does not have one added extra pressure of thinking I'm going to keep it, whatever. Because I don't want him to, because I'm not going to rush. I'm not going to do my best. I'm not going to whatever. Yeah? Or at least I hope I'm not. Maybe once or twice I have. But you've got to have faith in it, right? You've got to believe that, no, the hadith is there. The person will get the full reward of the jama'ah, will get the reward of following the imam, even if you don't uh, make that uh, raka'ah, etc., etc. Um, all right, anyway. By the way, online is completely behind you. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I actually thought that that's what the majority of the people would be. And it's also, it's also a disrespect to the people who made the effort to come early. And Sheikh Uthameen is going to make a statement in a minute, alright? He's going to say that from the author, it seems that the one that should be looked after more is the latecomer than the one who comes early. And he goes, you know, and he's going to speak about that in a second. And you know what? I don't know about that. I don't think they deserve to be looked after more. I think that the regulars need to be looked after more, unless there's an exception, and that exception we're going to speak about. Right. So, waiting, waiting. We'll go for another 10 minutes. Waiting in the prayer is three types, or delaying that prayer is of three types. Waiting, uh, delaying before the prayer starts, so that's delaying the start of the prayer. That's what I mean. Yeah. Number two, delaying in the ruku' to allow a person to catch the raka'ah. That's easy. Okay. And then Sheikh Uthameen adds a footnote and he says, especially the final raka'ah. Why? Because you know that a number of scholars, they said that a person does not catch the prayer unless they catch him in ruku'ah. Whereas the rest of us say, no, as long as you, and the Hanbalis as well, we covered that last year or whatever, that as long as you catch him before he says, Asalaamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah, as long as you catch him before then, then you got the Jama'ah. But a number of them, a number of scholars, and it's good position as well, <coughs> said that no, you got to catch him in the Ruku' of the last Raka'ah. Now, by the way, by the way, there is some meaning to that. Which prayer is that most manifested in, easily manifested in? Jum'ah prayer, well done. The position of need, all the scholars, if you don't catch the imam in the second raka'ah of Jum'ah, but you caught him in the tashahud, you have to stand up and pray four raka'ah dhuhr. You don't stand up and pray two raka'ah Jum'ah. But if you catch him in the ruku'ah, you're praying to... So there is significance there, and all the scholars accept it. You understand what I'm trying to say? So there is significance for catching an imam in the fourth raka'ah. Now that is where, like I said, I might have, you know, Quicken the pace. Yani, one time or six in a week. Right? So that's, that's a, a, a second type. And the third one, which is nice, is delaying in a position in which the person can't catch the raka'ah. Like the sujood, for example. Like the sujood, for example. All right, let's go through these three scenarios. Ammal awwal. Okay, um, <coughs> so this is before the prayer started. So we're, we're basically in the masjid and we're waiting around and we see that so-and-so has not arrived. Okay, so we decide to delay the start of the prayer. That's a big shout. There's like, you know, that's a big shout to do that. And Sheikh Uthameen says, you know, 
that they would consider this to be sunnah, but this is absolutely not sunnah. He goes, in actual fact, the sunnah is to put the prayer forward whenever the prayer is meant to be put forward, meaning pray at its earliest possible time, whenever it's meant to be prayed at its possible time. However, when, except for those prayers that are meant to be delayed, which is only one prayer, Isha. Only the Isha prayer is meant to be delayed. Every other prayer is meant to be prayed as early as possible, on time as possible. So there's absolutely no uh, uh, delay. Uh, delay. So in this scenario of Salatul Isha, yeah, you have a major concern for the people who are coming late. In actual fact, it is a sunnah to wait yani, and to keep delaying the prayer. To the extent that even when people come to the masjid, at that time, don't forget. Don't forget. When the Prophet ﷺ delays the Salatul Isha and then in the end he says that, you know what, if it wasn't for making it difficult upon my Ummah, I would have made it like that, right? And so, like made it a thing until a third of the night had passed or until half the night. We're talking midnight now. That's when he would have. But he decided not to make it a absolute obligation. But a Sunnah, yes. How would it work? No watches, no times, no 11 o'clock, no 9 o'clock, just late, just dark is how people understand it. Bro, dark is an hour and a half after Maghrib, two hours after Maghrib, three hours after Maghrib. Nobody knows how long an hour is. Everyone's using Indaza, Yani, estimate. People are coming and they're sitting there waiting. You heard the hadith, the companions used to sit cross-legged and they'd be like, you know, nodding. All of them waiting for the rest of the companions to come. The Prophet ﷺ delaying, delaying, delaying. So this is the exception. When the prayer itself is meant to be delayed, then now... I just want you to imagine how long a person could be waiting there and how much you could be delayed. So this is an example of that. Um, but when he saw that their numbers would become uh, 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 if he saw them come, right, and a lot of them are there, good number, then he, 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 he establishes a prayer because he doesn't want them to wait too long. But if they're delaying and there's only one or two people in the mosque, right? And they're taking their time coming, he's waiting for them. That's for Salatul Isha, hadith narrated by Bukhari in the chapter of the prayer times, in the subchapter of the time of the Isha prayer. Five, six, five. Okay? Um, right. So, as I said, that's, so that's, that, that's his own. Some of the scholars said, and minhum, like a charity from them, like a nice behavior from them. Some of the scholars said that if there's a person who has status, sharaf, wa makana, wa imama like a scholar, respected leader, yani someone that's like, you know, key person, aw imaratin fid dunya, they're a leader, the mayor. The council leader, the minister, the ruler, the Amir al-Mu'mineen. It is recommended to delay for him. Some of the scholars said. Look what Shaykh Uthameen says. Someone who prays in the mosque all the time. Um, and, you know, he is a big person and we should wait for that person. On the condition, though, even those scholars that said it should be done... They said on the condition that it doesn't cause too much of a problem for the regulars. It doesn't cause a problem for the people who are waiting. Why? The justification? Because of maslaha. Because of some benefit that they know is going to be achieved because of the waiting. 
if there is no benefit to be achieved, then it can't be justified. Sheikh Uthameen is not happy with this, but he even he says, but if there is a clear benefit that you know that if we do that, we'll get easygoing rules, we'll get extra funding. Yani the, the, the masjid itself will actually benefit, proper benefit, as a, a necessary benefit, as opposed to just extra chandeliers or something. Yeah, Then... Maybe there's an argument he said that can be made. He's not supporting this position, but he goes, maybe there's an argument that can be made. Um, he goes, especially uh, if we, we know that this person is like on the cusp and we want to try and bring him in, you know, doing da'wah to the guy. And we know that if we allow him to pray more of a jama'ah prayer and, and feel it and hear it and, you know, get affected by it, then he'll become more practicing. And if he becomes more practicing, then you know that that's going to improve the, the condition of all the people, get him closer to the masjid, get him closer to Allah. These are the kind of arguments that are being made, uh, less the dunyai ones and more the religious kind of justifications. This is يعني, from the recommended matters. That's because there is a benefit. And uh, there's no doubt that if you have them, if you do like have this kind of control with them, okay, if you don't look after them, sorry, right, if you don't look after them, then you lose your control over them. Yani the reins are taken out of your hands, he says, right, like a, like a horse, right? وهذه المسألة في الحقيقة على إطلاقها لا تنبغي. He goes that if we look at this issue, to be honest, this is not right. He goes, this is not right. In general. If we look at it in an unrestricted general sense. Because in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you don't look after anybody except the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لا يراعى فيه أحد ولكن إذا رأى الإنسان مصلحة محققة But he goes, however, this is why I said he's kind of accepting it. If a person sees a definite benefit, not a potential, not a pseudo, not a possible, but a definite benefit, seeing the facts, seeing the stats, seeing any results, uh, and knows that if you and knows that if you don't look after him there's definitely not going to be a harm there's going to be a harm knows that if you don't look after him there's definitely going to be a harm i.e if you don't then he will he will not pray in the masjid at all or he will drop the jama'ah or whatever or he'll abandon the mosque i mean we're playing to his ego here but this are these are you know these are big things and this is a person that will be followed uh, he's followed, he's respected, his voice is like a serious one, either in politics or his religion. So he goes, then in this case, alright, maybe we'll give precedent to the idea that we'll wait for him. But on the condition that it cannot harm the people who are waiting. Cannot harm the people who are waiting um yeah this is going to go too long i think we'll pause it there because um that there's lots of other sections and stuff by extension yeah let's do questions now guys yeah by extension so if you want to pay and use this maslaha and use this benefit yeah what about like some people do save the people's space on the first line that's the problem man what a good question man and so, so, so for the mic. And even maybe move people away. Yeah, yeah, even worse. What Bob said is that, you know, if we're going to accept this, then why not then by extension, then uh, we take it easy upon the people who book places. You know, they put the sajda down. The, 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 like giving, us holding 
Yeah, yeah, holding it and, and so on. It's a slippery slope once you start yani, going down that line. The problem is that slippery slope has some kind of, uh, not just benefit, has some nos, right? It has a text. The Prophet Sallallahu said, let yani, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the people of Al-Hill and uh, uh, the people of Al-Aqad and the people of knowledge and the people of recitation be close to me, right? Because uh, what that means is that they are the people who take over. They are the people who check. They are the people who, you know, you need the, your big people behind you. Now, you'll say, yeah, okay, we have no problem putting the three scholars behind you. It's the yani, uncle who doesn't know his qul from his whatever. Yeah? <laughs> what a here. Oh my goodness. So him and, you know, holding. And we, so the, the problem is, is as you said, we've got the nas. So we've got the nas that allows some people to be behind. But then we've got holding position only because he's an elder and he's, you know, respected, blah, blah. And then on the other hand, we know the Prophet ﷺ heavily criticizing a person, acting like a camel, and you know, taking a position just to squat in that position and or not moving. So you've got these, whatever, and there's no doubt that we've got to give precedence to people not booking places. There's a difference though between the person's action and your response to it. Meaning that a person that does that, let them carry their own sin or ignorance or whatever, and us allowing it, quote unquote is its own kind of side. Not allowing it, but not going too hard against it, case by case basis. So in this, in this case of waiting for the VIP case here, um, you're looking at surely here one um, of the argument here, because you're looking at the potential benefit, yeah? How do you actually weigh the harm the people? And 100%, you, you don't know how many people are gonna get irritated and say, I'm never coming back here again. And, and, and that's why, if you look at Sheikh Uthameen's language, you can see that, um, listen, this is also really important to recognize context. Now, these scholars are always teaching in the presence of the princes and the emirs and the X's and the Y's. And it would be utterly naive of us to think that they're not affected by that. And actually, he does mention Wali al-Ahd and Wali al-Amr, and he mentions the leader and whatever. It's the same kind of thing that when you are sitting there in the Jum'ah Khutbah in the Haram. And the uh, Imam, he goes, oh Allah, protect you, I need the king and the, the uh, what's his name, MBS, and pres preserve them, whatever, whatnot. And uh, the, the, the people who are listening are of two types. There are three types. The first is immense fury, right? And then normally the younger folks or the folks that have heard it, maybe not enough, okay? You got the packs who don't know what that was going on. Yeah, second group. And you got the third, that say, Ameen, Jalla Khalas. They say, all right. They, 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 they've given up. I'm the third, by the way. Was the first. Was the second, Yanni, before them. So we looked like I was the first, second as well. But now we've gone to the third. I couldn't care less, you know. I, uh, I've gone to that side of the whole of if I had one dua and I was going to make it, then I'd make it for the ruler because if I'd make dua for the ruler, then the whole, you know, that line. Scholars love busting that one. And we're like, oh, you know, you don't like that when you're young. You don't like that when you're young. But you know when you get older, you're like, you know what it is? They're right. If we can get that guy hooked up, yani then obviously we know he's not getting hooked up. The whole yani, every imam is making dua for that guy. He couldn't care less. 
but but the but the but the but the the, the, the point is is that um, uh, they making these statements whilst being aware of that, and we got to be aware of that, and we just got to just basically when our scholars are under pressure or whatever. I mean, I mean, when I'm teaching here, I have to be so careful about what I'm saying. Like you know, next week, goodness me. <laughs> Next week, about what's going to be said in the few pages about yani, the woman and why she should be allowed or whatever, whatnot. Sheikh Uthameen comes straight out. He goes there, yani, awanin indakum. And awanin is jama of Ania, and Ania is the prisoner, and that's, she's your prisoner, and you are in control of your prisoner, and so therefore you will control whether she leaves the house or not. So next week, mashallah, <laughs> let's get all of Yani boys in, everyone will recording, whatever, whatnot. Right? So, you know, I have to use flowery language and or PC bakwas or whatever, whatnot. So, um, uh, we got to be aware of that. And I think that he covers that by saying what he said. The, the maslaha has to be muhaqqaqa, meaning tahqiq. It's been clearly proven that the benefit's there. And then he all added an insurance policy. And he said then also the opposite, that definitely no harm is going to be caused. And as you just said, how do we even measure that? In actual fact, we can see people will complain. And in countries, now in a Muslim country, they never complain. But in the West, they complain. Because they know, they, 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 you know, what are you going to do? And they stand up and they say, what the hell is this? And you know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Okay, yeah. Uh, you find the questions online. Any other questions here, guys? Yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to say that that's a sunnah or anything like that. And I don't want to even say that it's been narrated. But I can tell you now. No, no. I would hope that I could tell you now that if I'm living with the companions, that's the kind of move that they would pull. I can see it. Right? Have I got any evidence of it happening ever in history? No. Would I do it? Yeah. I, I, I do speak to people in the prayer. I'm not going to lie. It is a buzz to speak to people. I do speak to people in the prayer and I do say to them, shorten. I say that a lot before I join the prayer. I mean, yeah, and you make the next one, uh, whatever. Or I say to the, you know, the, the, when he's reciting Fatiha, I'll say, keep it short. I will say that. Yeah, I have got kind of big ego, to be honest. Obviously, that can't be, I mean, you're right. It can't be an unrestricted principle that we allow people just to, you know what I mean, shout across the room. I'm coming in. Just hold on for me. The laces are stuck. <laughs> Whilst you're leading. Oh, you mean if they heard this thingy, they they did whatever. See, I'm like, is that such a bad thing? Is that, like, what's the alternative? Kids not interested in the salah at all. Rasik guy. <laughs> you are, you are, you order a massive can of worms. I won't be that guy to be that person. It was Hafsa, not me. Hafsa, alright. It was Jueria's sister Hafsa, just in case that there's any kind of confusion over which Hafsa because there's many Hafsas out there she opened that she's speaking to the family yani, in the Salah not me <laughs> alright 
Samira says, when there are toddlers running around who happen to be wild at the best of times, we are having a jama'ah at home. Would it be valid to shorten the isha? Absolutely, it would be. Absolutely, it would be. Someone who is leading the family commented that the suggestion was against the sunnah when suggested shorter surahs to ensure the toddlers didn't smash each other over their heads. Yani, how can that be against the sunnah when the sunnah proves that that's exactly what the Prophet did? Right? The situation's out of control and uh, the prayer is uh, shortened. And this is an important part that we need to speak about, right? I gave a talk a couple a month or two ago uh, about marriage uh, midlife crisis or something like that, okay? And um, I, I, I spoke about, you know, one of the major reasons that I see a lot of divorce between mid, middle-aged kind of folks that have been married a while, that the, the tension's been building up for a long period of time. Uh, you've got so many different reasons, but one of the models or the templates that fit why people are getting divorced is the development of the man and the woman. And the man develops far quicker than the woman does. The guy basically depends upon going to the masjid, great company, great recitation, great buzz. And Baji is basically stuck with Yani praying Surah Ikhlas at home with the kids. She can't even dare possibly go any longer than that. Yeah? Or you might say, no, they're both practicing. There's no problem. Bro, there's a massive difference between going to a masjid in Chiron chilling with Aslat and listening to Al Huda tapes all day and night long. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why are you always picking on Al Huda for, bro? Why are you hating on Al Huda? Bro, I'm, I'm number one supporter, man. Are you kidding me? But I've got to be careful, otherwise I cause a problem for myself at home then, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, th 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 this is actually a serious uh, point. And um, I, I gave the example in the, um, in, the marriage in the marriage classes that men think that, you know, that this is the right thing and they think it's a sunnah for women to pray at home, which I don't think it is, but, but they do think that. And the woman just can't develop, you know, she's based up, she's, she's left her social media and recordings and online stuff and uh, the guy's living it getting a reminder cheeky reminder from the imam right and just a word or two touches the heart random hadith whatever makes them reflect they see some they see a janazah they see hear the news the sheikh says let's make dua for so and so that there's you're connected to the world right and the women are just you know they have to develop their own kind of situation so what happens then he now i remember by the way no, these two are probably two non-practicing people or basic practicing people that got married at the same time. Yeah? And you're expecting them to have and maintain that commonality of things. But he's now going like that. And then he's like, right, why are you not wearing hijab? And she's like, oh, okay then. And he, she does it for him as opposed to have gone through the same iman, you know, which has led him to grow a beard and start coming to the masjid and, and whatever. He did it organically. She did it inorganically. Or whatever. No, no, I can't say that because that makes inorganic yani, bad. And these women have got to stop bloody thinking that. Because they're flipping eating us at home and house and life. There's nothing special and organic. Right. So this guy did it naturally. Right. And she did it artificially, basically. Right. So it is a point. All right. Um, we're going to come to that somewhere next week. How do we define harm? Uh, according to Uthaymin, the imams in the West should not be following a wajib. As all of them don't follow the sunnah of the minimum length that should be done. Just re remind me, Rahan, what did he say? What did he say in terms of the minimum? Oh, the minimum was to say, Subhanahu Rabbi al Azim. Three. Uh, remind me, I've forgotten what he said. Um, I seem to remember this from last week. With respect to cutting slack for people who may benefit, what happens when they start to... Exactly, that's the problem, right? They start taking liberties and whatever, whatnot. And that's why the imam has got to have some kind of... 
He's got to be, have some kind of standards. He's got to. Um, of course, I have zero ego, Solange. Come on, bro. Guest imams. I'm from Mars or Venus or whatever it is. I, not human. Uh, guest imams we spoke about last week. Does the condition of the imam being someone that the jama'ah are pleased with have any impact when maybe mosque uncles don't want a guest imam to come and change their routine? Or does it have to be a valid shari reason and not because Uncle G isn't happy? Yeah, I think that um, there is no right for the Uncle G and the elders to have a set imam, right? And it, it can't just be whims and desires that there's a guest imam that, that the imam himself wants to lead the prayer, the imam wants to hand it over, wants everyone to experience a change, and there's people that want to see, and there's a couple of people who are just like, no, we want our own imam or whatever. And as we said last week, there, there, there's no nos in this. You, there's no d definitive text. You've got to balance the pros and cons. You've got to balance it back and uh, forth. It's not much of a talk, to be honest. It was just some kind of Facebook thing. I, I, you know, I don't bother looking for it. It's nothing thingy. Um, yes, we're waiting in the car. My mum is the biggest non-pack pack that I know. She will openly have full conversations when you're praying. Full conversations. And I remember that when I was a child. I'd be praying and she goes, I can see you. Yeah, where's the water on your ankles, you lying little git? Whatever. You didn't make wudu, whatever, whatnot. Come and then touch the ankle to see if I had done made wudu, whatever, whatnot. She was the original gangster that set the mold, Yanni, for the non-pack behavior. It's honestly, it's awesome. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Sheikh also says that the congregants have more of a right anyway and come first. Hence, if they are really affected, then the imam would not wait for this important person. Well, you're going to see he mentioned that, that point actually next week. I mean, I can see and feel that Sheikh Uthami is not happy with it, but he does kind of give some support to the author and say that the author obviously believes that the latecomers have an important role. But it's difficult to quantitatively differentiate between them, you know? You mentioned recently that, that the hadith about a child crying in a prayer is about a one-off scenario and shouldn't be used to establish a norm. The words of the hadith mentioned in the second paragraph don't suggest is a one-time thing. You're right, the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says, I shorten, which means that he's saying, he's making a statement of what is meant to happen all the time when it happens. You're right in that. I didn't mean that the wording of the hadith indicates that. I mean that the application of the hadith indicates that. Meaning that the Prophet ﷺ has made that statement, right? And given the reason for it as a woman crying, and we have thousands of ahadith about the prayer in a masjid. Where are the ones that talk about the woman crying, the kids crying and the women? Yeah, where are they? Yeah, there is a exponential relationship between something that becomes a sunnah and the amount of times it happens. If something doesn't happen all the time, you can't be... And this is what I've got a problem with, the whole kids thing, right? Oh, the hadith says that the kid came in and, you know, jumped on the Prophet and whatever, whatnot. Okay, what about the other 10,000 prayers that were prayed and we don't have the kids coming in and we don't have the X and the Y? We, we, we take the hadith, we're not hadith rejectors. We say this is the proof that it is allowed for a child to come in and for a mother who can't find, you know, or the father's got the kids stuck and, you know, whatever. You don't hate on the, the father and the mother. It is, it is what it is. They came in, whatever. But to then make it the norm and then say, right, kids, it's playtime tonight. Come down. What the fish, bro? It's a masjid. It's not a playground, not a youth center, not a whatever. Don't be using hadith that are indicating incidents and make it the norm. 
That's the point that we're trying to make. Yeah? There you go. Maryam is not messing about. Telling that kid, yani, whatever. <coughs> yeah. I mean, I just want to say uh, what Rayhan is uh, quoting from Sheikh Uthameen uh, last week. Um, um, is that actually, you know, this idea that it's obligatory to, to, to come with the Sunnah in a general sense is a debatable matter. You know, what is the number? Then how do we then define between one and three? Subhanahu Rabbil Azim, for example. I don't know what I, how, I, how to put this right hand, but I don't think it's a major issue. That's what I want to say. And I, I, I wonder if that answers the question. All right, last two questions. Reminded me of an incident in Cairo. It's a big mosque, forgot the name. Had a famous big sheikh that was famous for reading for very long in Isha. So the youth would hang out and chill. And when they realize his tone is changing as he's finishing up then, they would join the salah. So to, t- to teach them, one time he recited Surah Ikhlas, A, which was so surprising, and then everyone bumped into each other to get into the salah. And then in the second... Astaghfirullah. <laughs> he recited Surah Al-Baqarah. Okay. So is that considered wrong in terms of it being wrong? That's wrong on every level wrong, Fatima. That's wrong and then wrong and then wrong again. It's wrong to change the length. It's wrong specifically. First, it's wrong. The prayer is not meant to punish people. They're bagheret, they are, yani, whatever, whatnot. I want to remind you that those bagheret kids were us. Okay? We used to do that behavior. There's no kids of mine here, are they? Zakaria Khan? Close your ears. Taraweeh would start. We'd get off, yani, to the local. Right? We'd know how much time there is, whatever, whatnot. Just make sure we get back with it. Right? Standard behavior, bro. These people, yani, can come back, yani. All right? <laughs> Even pray. Right, where do wives stand in terms of obeying husband? That's next week, inshallah. Okay, Umra Qayyad, that's next week. We'll cover all of that. All right, any other thing? Any announcements? Anything we need to know? Yeah. Sorry, one uh, I haven't committed myself to a position yet because we still need to speak about it because uh, that's also next week. But yeah. So, so that's next week. That's next week. All right, guys. Zakumullah khair. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Shadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfiruka Allahumma wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.